Amen. Thank you for that. I am Keith Robertson, pastor here at the church. Good to be with you. Love doing this. Psalm 23, we're continuing this series. I'm going to need a significant amount of honesty in this moment, okay? Now, it also takes maybe just a little bit of self-awareness. There are two kinds of people. There are the people who love conflict. You're looking for it. You like to dive in. You like to put, the, you put your dukes up. You're like, I'm looking for the thing that I can like have my say in this thing. Uh, and then there's the people that don't really like conflict. You're like, I, 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 could, I could shy away from that. In fact, I, I, I tend to run and hide from that. All right, now, I've given you an opportunity to think about who you are. All right, okay. How many of you, you love you some conflict? Let's do this. Come on. Let's jump on in. All right. All right, these are the people we steer clear of for the most part. Okay, right now. I'm just kidding. Not totally true. We love you guys. You guys actually help us get stuff done, okay? How many of you are the no, I don't really love conflict. I kind of try to avoid it at all costs, if, if at all possible, right? Yeah, yeah, okay. See, now how many of you would say your spouse is, no, 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 don't answer that question. I'm just kidding. That's danger zone for a Sunday morning. Uh, I, I'm one of those that I don't, I don't really love conflict. I was actually reminded of that with this past week with the presidential debate. I don't, I'm, I'm and like, there's like 60 million people tuned in to watch this. this is a people, people love this kind of, it's great, it's awesome. I, I, I have to stand. We had it on in our house just watching, keeping it. I have to stand. I was like pacing around the house, like looking for stuff to do because it's just like, it's just lobbing bombs at each other. And this is, you know, it, it's just, and this is true. It's not just this presidential cycle. It's like all debates of all time. It's just like going back and forth. Like you people that are in the debate club, why? What's wrong? I mean, like, I don't get it. I don't totally understand it, but conflict is a real part of life and we can't get away from it. There, this is a universal truth and for all of us who don't really love conflict, it, it's time to get on board and understand that it's actually a part of the plan and that hardship and difficulty and conflict, and, and let's be honest, because conflict can, can often descend into hardship and, and hardship can often descend into pain. And often the reason that we don't like experiencing conflict is because we know that sometimes it leads to something that's difficult or hard, something that is often even darker in the shadows. And we know that and we see that coming and we want to avoid it at all costs. But here's what we're going to find in the scripture is that God has a design on it. He wants us to see his plan and purpose through it. And through this psalm, we're going to see the faithfulness of God in the storm and in the darkness. If you go to Psalm 23, we had a chance last week to unpack a little bit this first part where he says, you know, um, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. All right. And then he, we come to this point in verse four, and there's a shift that takes place. So even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, 
just the verse before. Everything was awesome. He's leading us into green pastures and fathers. The, Jesus is leading us by, beside still waters. He's working works of restoration. We got to unpack all of that. And then a couple of things happen here. One, a radical shift. We move away from green pastures and we move away from still waters into the valley of the shadow of death, which sounds not great. Right? This doesn't sound like the place that you want to be, but there's things unfolding here. And what we're going to see is this. Part of our journey, part of our journey with God into green pastures and part of our journey with God into still waters is through dark valleys. That part of getting to the place where God is leading every one of us is actually through a, a place that doesn't feel great in the moment, but God is designing and purposing and moving, right? We often think, and, and candidly, if you've been in church for any amount of time, there are often uh, an experience where we hear that uh, we're sold a bill of goods where come on with God and everything's great. But for anyone that has been with God for any amount of time, we've seen that knowing and walking with Jesus doesn't make life always easy, it doesn't make life always great, meaning it's, we're not always on the hills holding hands and skipping around, right? That's not always the experience. But part of God's design for us to be near him is to be with him in the valleys. That there is a, a plan that God has, a design that he's working for us. It's not vindictive, it's not evil. It's intended to draw us closer. Meaning, at least, listen, the the promises we described last week is that the Lord's leading us to green hills. He's leading us to still waters. There is restoration and life that God wants to bring us to, but there are valleys that we go through and we experience. And the reason for the valley is we see right here. Here's what it says. Because there's this part of this shift away from the green hills into the valley is this is that as David is writing and what he's speaking this psalm, here's what he says. He says, he unpacks this, he unfolds, he says, listen, hey, this is who God is. Here's what he does. But then we turn to the valley and then something shifts. He says, he looks and he speaks to him directly. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. So here's what happens in verses one, two, and three, saying here's who God is and here's what he does. But when I'm in the valley, I turn to you. He goes from speaking of God in the third person to standing up to say, you. He looks at me, he starts talking directly to Jesus, if you will. He isn't just talking about him in the abstract. He says, when I'm in that place of darkness, you are the one that I call to. See, part of the design of the shadows is to lead us to true intimacy with God. That we go from saying, hey, God's great out there, but Lord, you are the one. He speaks directly to him. I love this psalm for that purpose, where we see the psalmist saying, I'm coming right to you. I'm coming to you in this place of fear, in this place of worry, in this place of doubt. I am coming 
to you. And it is the place where we actually draw near to Jesus for intimacy to, with God to go to new levels. We often go through the valley with him and see him. We meet with God in a new and different way. Because the truth is, every person has seen and experienced and walked through the shadows. Have we not? We've all had the shadows, right? We've all had those moments where we've walked in darkness that led to pain and hurt, sometimes of our own choosing, sometimes not. We've all had weaknesses that we've had to face and that often we continue to face that have the tendency to drag us down in shame and to hold us there. That's that universal truth, right? That no, no human's looking for those experiences and yet it's universal that fear and toxic shame and sadness and darkness are experiences and emotions that everyone has and yet the Lord's promise is that he's there and in it, meeting with us. Last year I was... Uh, I got to be a part of a leadership cohort. And it was a, the actually was called Transformational Leadership. And it was built for business leaders and faith leaders. And the idea was to, if you want to transform to be a whole leader, not just over your company or over the church or whatever thing you might be leading, but holistically, part of what they did is they said, you have to actually be willing to address the things that are going on in your life. They said, one of those things is we have an ideal self. Like when you think of yourself and like you're optimal, like you're rocking it, you're killing it, you're making it happen, you're doing all the great things. But then we also have what they called the, sh what they called the shadow self. And the shadow self was those places where we go, where we, in our flesh, we start self-protecting we erect walls against other people. We can accuse others for the difficulties we experience. We allow anger or toxic shame to have its hold on us. And so every one of us has this idea. What we were going through is every one of us has this ideal self where we're killing it. And then every one of us has this shadow self. And part of the process was being able to acknowledge those dark places. Because if you aren't willing to acknowledge it, then you can't actually see God come and move and pull you through it. And so you know what? One of the, one of the uh, activity, or I say, uh, the, one of the things that they had us do was when we'd come together, uh, the, the leader would put on the table a list of what they called the eight, he called the eight core emotions. Eight core emotions. Those emotions were hurt, Loneliness, sadness, anger, fear, shame, guilt, and gladness. So he put those out on the table. And, and here's, what this is. here's what he said. Everybody in the room, this is 15 guys. Everybody in the room got to come and what they said, show up to yourself and where are you at today? So you're sitting in a room and what you get to do is you get to say, hey, this is what, here, here are the emotions I'm feeling today. I'm, I'm lonely, I'm angry, I have shame, and I'm glad. You could literally, you share whatever it is. But it was one of the most, 
vulnerable, because especially for dudes, right? Because what we like to do, the dudes are great at putting on the ideal self, right? To act like we got it all together and that there's nothing going on when in actuality, there are all kinds of things under the surface. There are these shadows that we tend to live in. And we had this opportunity just to be honest and to show up to the actual emotions that were going on inside of us. The whole point being not to say, listen, by the way, you didn't have to say what the reason were that you were going through these things. The point was just to, it's time to acknowledge that we often live in these shadows. And if we aren't real about it, then there's no chance for us to pull out. And I love the psalmist here to say, hey, there are valleys of shadows of death. And we often walk through them. And so what he's going to say to us is, I'm not going to have any fear. Because he turns and he says, because you, God, are with me. You are with me. There's these lies. That, in fact, there, there, there's some core lies that we often believe when we're walking through difficulty or darkness, right? Have you ever found yourself struggling through a moment where things aren't working out well or you're wrestling with something interior? There's these lies that get perpetrated over and over again. Few of them. You may have heard these before. In fact, I'd guess that we all have in some way, shape, or form heard these lies, right? And these lies are this. Number one, God doesn't have the power to overcome whatever you're going through. But whatever you're in the middle of, there's no power for you to actually be able to rise up. That God is a great idea, but there's not actual authority to pull you out. Secondly, that God has folded his arms saying, well, you kind of got yourself into this mess, so you probably need to try to get yourself out. You ever heard that? Because we made some mistakes, and we've had some failures, and we feel toxic shame that's pulling us down. And what we think we hear is, I kind of got myself into this, so I'm stuck. And I'll come to the Lord once I finally get my mess fixed. The third lie that we hear is, this is what you get for falling short. You, you, you failed. You, fall, you fell short. And this is what you deserve. Those three core lies will course around us when we're walking through the valley, that we all can acknowledge that we have these moments. And what this psalmist is saying is, listen, God is not a God who looks at you in the shadows to tell you to get yourself out of it. What does the psalmist say? I won't have fear in this moment because God comes right into it. I cannot stress enough. And if you don't hear anything else this morning, hear this. God is not afraid of your darkness. He will come right into it. That you and I do not have to be afraid because God comes in the middle of it. He isn't afraid of it, nor is he buffeted by it. He isn't hit back. He doesn't see darkness and go, man, how am I going to figure this out? They've kind of made such a mess of their lives. I'm going to somehow 
get through, God comes right into this thing. I love Psalm 139. Again, this incredible, uh, other incredible psalm that we've often been familiar with where uh, the, the psalmist says, listen, where shall I go from your spirit or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light be about me, uh, the light about me be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day for darkness is as light with you. God is not afraid of our darkness. He wants to enter into it and pull us out so that we do not operate in a spirit of fear, but a spirit of life wholeness. It's available no matter the circumstance. God meets us there. Not only that, listen, God doesn't just meet us in the darkness. He dignifies what we're walking through. He speaks straight to it because he knows and he understands it. I love Hebrews 4. I could shout this scripture from the mountaintop over and over and over again. For we don't have a high priest, speaking of Jesus, we don't have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. No, but but one who in every respect was tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. The beautiful promise of God is not that there won't be shadows, is not that there will not be difficulty, The promise is that whatever you're walking through, God comes into the middle of it and meets you there to pull you and I up. I love, um, we, we, I mentioned this resource last week. We've been, uh, as we've been studying this series, there's a book called A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23. It's in the actual shepherd, a guy who sheep herds. <laughs> herds sheep. Sorry, I haven't read enough of the book yet. But, uh, but the guy, and he's, ta he's talking about these, these valleys and shadows that are often, what he says is, listen, every good shepherd's looking for a hill for his sheep to rest on, but you actually can't get to the hill without going through the valley. So he knows what it means to be in the shadow of a valley, to walk through and to know the necessity, even though often danger can be lurking there, in order to get to where we're meant to go. And so what Jesus says is, here's the promise, not that you won't have the valleys or the shadows, the promise is this, you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be locked in fear. It doesn't have to wear you down or pull you apart. Jesus puts it this way, in this life, you will have trouble. But take heart, because I've overcome the world. I've been victorious. Been victorious. And so what Jesus is effectively saying is, listen, your victory in life can't be on your own shoulders. Your victory in life is on my shoulders. I'm the victorious one. 
So you can take heart. You can rest well, even in this dark shadow. And it's what the Lord wants to expound on. It's what he wants to pull us into. If you find yourself walking through it, he wants to meet us in that place. That there is no fear that can overcome the leadership of the king of the universe. And he's ready to meet us in that place. So the question is then, well, how does he do it? And of course, the psalmist answers the question. He says, listen, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So he understands the need to be comforted when you're walking through the darkness. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So there's two pictures here, rod and staff. One rod, uh, the rod of a, a shepherd is essentially a large club, big stick. In fact, it, uh, I was reading this book, it says the shepherd, a, sh- a good shepherd, even early on in his life, will go and find the right tree and he'll fashion the rod for himself. It's like his it's, it's his place of authority. In fact, it says essentially that the rod is an extension of the right hand of the shepherd. It is the expression of his leadership and authority. It's where he says, there is nothing that is going to come in and overtake you. There is nothing that will come in against you, but I stand over you with authority. It is the place of strength. It's the place of power. It was literally for the protection of the people. The author was talking about describing, he was on a, he was on a, a, a photographing um, shoot, a photography shoot. Is that what it's called? We have a photographer here. It's a photography shoot. Thank you. Of elephants. Okay. Sorry. I always, I can't figure out the words. So he's on a shoot. He's shooting elephants. There's a herd of elephants down below. Sorry. He's not shooting elephants. All right. I don't need any, all right. I don't need the animal rights people. I'm not, he's not shooting it. He's shooting. You got that? Okay. All right. Okay. See, he sees sees this herd of elephants and they're down below. And so they're, but they're under this thick brush. And so He's with an actual shepherd from Kenya, with a Kenyan shepherd who's leading them, and he's actually got a rod with him. And they decide if they roll this boulder down the hill, then it will move. It'll it'll scare the elephants. It'll move them out into the clearing so they can take better pictures. So it uses the rod, and they dislodge this boulder to roll it down the hill. The minute that they unlodge this boulder, this cobra comes out from underneath it. And he said, this little boy shepherd in less than a second whips around and destroys the the cobra with his his rod. In a moment, he said, that rod never left his hand the entire time he was out. He said, this is the picture of the king. There, There is inevitably snares of the enemy all around that you and I cannot see. And what, this, what David says here in this psalm is, listen, your rod, your protection, you cover me. Let me tell you, if you are in Christ, if you've called on the name of Jesus, you have a covering that supersedes all protection. It's the authority of God over our lives. And I want to say specifically that the authority of God comes from the word of God. 
that his word over our lives, when the enemy is ready to, to, to pull us in to his evil scheme, the word of the Lord over our lives pulls us out. It clubs the cobra before there's ever a chance to be hooked in by the work of the enemy. The single greatest protection that we can have in our lives is the authority of God's word, listening to what he has to say to us. What is God saying? Not what do you see with your eyes? Not what is the pain of the moment that you're in, but what is God saying? But one of the easiest questions that we can have in the darkness is why me? Feeling the often unfairness of life that we've all felt before. Why me? Why now? But often the best question is, Lord, show me who you are. Just show me who you are and what you're doing because God has promises in the midst of it. But the second picture he gives us is the staff and we'll, we'll finish up with this. Actually, Luke, would you, could you hand me a staff? This is the shepherd's staff. I don't know how many of you are Toy Story 4 fans. <laughs> this is Bo Peep. Bo Peep. It does spin because Bo Peep is kind of a ninja basically, in Toy Story 4, okay? And she wields it well. But I, this is the only staff we had, and I thought, Elizabeth, let me have her staff for this morning. But the staff was the one with the hook on the end. And what a shepherd actually did was, this was the source of guidance. Used it not often, actually, to, to whack, but often to nudge and guide. And the reason they put a, a crook on the end is, is for this that almost to the nth degree, sheep are so stubborn, they often get themselves in the same problem and the same trap over and over again. And a faithful shepherd is willing to pull them out. One, one description is literally that the sheep kept going to the same, just so hungry for the same patch of grass that kept going, kept falling into the ocean, kept falling into the lake. And it had to literally keep, kept getting pulled out a thousand times. But here, I love the picture. I didn't say a thousand times, but it was many times that it was literally, the shepherd said, as I spent all afternoon with the same sheep having to pull it out. So he kept doing it, kept wanting to do it. Because we've never been like that before, right? We've never struggled that way, right? You look at it and be like, dumb sheep, why would you do that? But, right? It's a little bit of a picture, okay? But here's the point a good shepherd never, never doesn't not hook you. I know that was like three negatives there. Never doesn't not. But listen. <laughs> A better way to say that is a shepherd is always going to pull you out. He's always going to lead with guidance. Sheep, you know, they're big balls of wool. I mean, that's what they are, right? <laughs> Just candidly. They often find themselves in the midst of, uh, you know, roses and thorns. And so they'll, get, they'll literally get hooked in where they can't move. And a shepherd uses his staff to get in there. The only way he can, he can release that sheep is to get in there with his hook and pull the branches back, pull the sheep out. That's my bow peep. I just wanted y'all to have that. All right. The point of this is the Lord's leadership gives protection, but he also gives guidance. The reason that you and I can be comforted is not because we never face hardships. The reason that we can have confidence is because God never leaves and he meets us in the middle. There is always hope. There's always a path. There's always truth, and he's leading us. True comfort does not come from the absence of conflict. I want you to hear that again. And I'm, a, I'm saying that as the guy who loves, I can't even watch the debates. All right, true comfort doesn't come 
from the absence of conflict. It comes from the presence of a loving, faithful shepherd. He's leading, and he wants to lead us. I'm gonna ask our team to come up. We'll finish up this morning. You and I can be comforted this morning, not for any of the circumstances surrounding us. In fact, if there's a year in the scope of our entire lives in which we would like to have some measure of comfort, it is 2020. And I, I, we, we've said this here before, but I will just say this again. If your hope for comfort is in a politician, church, you are looking in the wrong place. You can be comforted no matter the outcome of an election. You can be comforted no matter the directives of a government. You can be comforted no matter the season you find yourself in because there's a faithful shepherd who rules in authority and righteousness who will not leave and he comes right into the middle of our mess. He is not afraid. Not afraid of your darkness. Whatever you're worried about, whatever you may have anxiety over, whatever, whatever dark cloud is lingering over you, that shadow is as light to God. That's what he's saying. There's no problem. No problem. He can do this. He can meet you in this place. Would you just stand with me? And I just had a sense that we're gonna just take, we're gonna take, we're gonna worship here as we finish this morning. And we're going to be authentic with the Lord. One of the great core values we have here at this church is we're, we are authentic, authentic with each other, but we're authentic with the Lord and real with Him. And so we're just gonna get a moment to connect with God's heart on what He wants to speak over us. If His authority and His word over our lives brings comfort, then it's time for us to get His word no matter what's happening. In fact, I, I, I sense there's a real need for the word of the Lord in this moment. So we're just gonna ask him for that and then we'll finish by saying, God, I need you. Father, we just wanna come before you right now. And we just make the good confession. There is no hope. There is no peace apart from you and your presence. No one can deliver it but you. So where the spirit of fear would seek to root itself in our lives, we turn our eyes to you and we see you as the one who meets us in our darkness and you pull us up. Now here's what I want you to do. Just where you're at. Would you name before the Lord the place of fear or anxiety that you have. Anything that you're worried about, maybe it's something with your business. Maybe it's something with your family. Maybe it is elections or truth is we're in the middle of a pandemic right now. 
There's all kinds of fears. Would you just name yours, the thing that sits on you the most? And just be honest with the Lord about it. I'm just gonna give you 20, 30 seconds just to be real with the Lord about it. Bring it to him. Just confess and share it with the Lord. circumstance and every person represented here that we would hear your voice louder than any other voice louder than the word of the enemy the voices around us pray that we would hear you we're going to take this last few moments to worship the Lord to declare our need for the Lord I pray that We'd make this moment our act of worship to the Lord and our declaration 
that we believe he's the good shepherd who leads us with his hand. Let's worship now.
our defender and leader. You faithfully lead us, not just today, but tomorrow and the next day and the next. I pray that we would listen with our hearts to what you would say over our lives. We would reject the lies of the enemy that say you don't have power, or that you won't meet us in the darkness, but Lord, we trust you. We put our hope in you. Our faithful shepherd, Jesus, we walk with you. It's in your mighty, incredible, faithful name we pray. Amen. Amen. Love you guys. Blessings on you. If you're hanging out for the class, by the way, the, the class was amazing last week. If you had, didn't come last week, come this week. Uh, if you've got younger kids, go ahead and grab them. If you've got first through fifth graders, you can leave them back there. They're going to be ministered to this time. 11 o'clock will start up. Love having you guys here. We'll see you next week. Bye. Also, Chit, 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 chit,